running, hiding, trapping, and fighting. Those range from silly to really dumb. You're listening to a fan podcast of Paws and Tales. I'm Austin. And I'm Michael. From the Bay of Tranquility to Wild Mountain. And everywhere in between. We are your guides through this world of mystery, morality, and talking animals. Join us as we take a walk through Wildwood. Hello, hello! Welcome back to A Walk Through Wildwood. I am your host, Michael LaFaver. And I'm your host, Austin Peachy. And we are fresh off the last Easter special episode, which hopefully didn't actually release at Easter because these should hopefully be releasing sooner yes. anyway. <laughs> and we're back to talking about the normal episodes of Paws and Tales, back to episode four of the series. This is episode six of our podcast, but uh, Austin, you want to talk about this episode? Yeah, so this episode, we get to hear all the club again. Mm-hmm. And get to know more about a certain bully in town. This is going to be interesting. So the summary is, Hugh has some news. His cousin is coming to town. The club goes into a panic as they expect things to be even worse with two bullies in Wildwood. Hmm. Yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> so this review is originally released on May 26, 2021 on the Beyond AO episodes. But you're going to get to hear that right here and right now. Yeah. So can we hear it now? Wait for it. Okay, now. Starting off with episode number four, High Noon. It was, again, written by David Carl, directed by David Carl. And I think when we reviewed uh, The Best Christmas Gift or The Perfect Christmas Gift, Mm -hmm. that I said that uh, I think God with the Wind was the first time uh, Tim Hoffman had... uh, done the music for the show but this is actually the first episode that he did the music for at least the one that was released yeah yeah and gotta say music on these two pretty good pretty good i didn't i was not annoyed a lot with john campbell which is good because i was annoyed at a lot of things in these two episodes but um the music was very very good i like tim hosman's feel in the first one and once again uh sound design by eric basil and the song jesus i thank you was written by sandy howell so a lot of the same names. Um, again, this is the first episode that uh, Tim Hosman has did the music for, but we've already reviewed one of his episodes. So anyway, mm-hmm. so this episode, I have not. So this episode, I had not heard it in quite a while. I listened through it. Uh, it's probably close to maybe a year. I don't listen to a lot of the. I don't listen to a lot of the early Paws and Tales episodes as much as I do, like from later in season one and season two. Season two, I listen to the most. I think that's probably the best season and the best episodes. Um, but this episode, there's a few storylines or a few hints at stuff in the future in this episode. Hmm. Okay. Not a whole lot, but we have um, the first discussion of the club discussing a name. We have this group <laughs> of kids, CJ and Stacy and Ned and Marsha and Goose. And we were introduced to all of them in the previous episodes. Yeah. And um, they're now talking about, you know, they're having this fortress. Now, what do we call ourselves? And this is the club that's on Fortress Rock, right? Correct. Oh, cool. Okay. So I wrote down some of the names they come up with. Some were jokes. Some were serious. The Fortress Club, the Aspirators, the Capulet, whatever that is. (laughs) The Amazing Fortress Club, the Warriors of Might, the Third Graders Club, and the Boring Kids Club. And then (laughs) later on, the Goofball or the Goofballs Club. (laughs) 
<laughs> the, the names just keep getting worse and worse. And also just say the fact that by episode 15, they still don't have a name for a club, the club, and it's just an inside joke that they don't have a name is really funny, I think. Yeah, yeah, you did pick up on that. It is, it is a running joke yeah. in the series. Mm-hmm. And this time is the first time we hear from Hugh, at least it was for me when I first heard this episode, because like I said, I had missed hearing episode, I had missed hearing episode two. And so this was like, so this was my first introduction to Hugh, which I think because I don't know about you, I know the I know that episode two, there is some good character development, even though he had not been on the show before. But it seemed like this episode, I don't know, he hasn't changed, and he still has some animosity towards CJ. This is the playing favorites to the take every thought captive. So yeah, I can see what happened originally with Hugh, and I still, uh, having heard six episodes of this series, gotta still love episode two. It's still my favorite um, for a lot of different reasons, especially Hugh. And I think Hugh was a lot better in that episode. And here, he's not awful because he doesn't do a lot of damage in the episode. It's more just like he's the the, the twerpy bully who's making up stuff and making the kids scared. Um and previously it was well he was uh kind of the like burning down the house accidentally whereas here he's more just causing a little trouble here and there or burning down part of the house i should say so i don't know is he the same actor in this episode i was i was wondering about that because i was pretty certain that in this episode there was a different actor than the second episode but when i listened to it again before reviewing this i'm pretty certain it's the same actor I think it might be later on in the series that the actor changes. I think in this episode, he's just yeah. uh, playing the character a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His uh, his come in at little slightly different points than they did in the last one. Yeah. And he uh, throws an apple at CJ, and he makes fun of him for his bad <laughs> he eye. He picks it up and takes a bite of it. I know. That's so funny. Good apple, <laughs> you. Also, I want to point out Ned, uh, all throughout this episode, his lisp is too much. And then the next one, his lisp is okay. But in both episodes, there's this weird reverb behind his voice. So whenever Ned came on, I was like, okay, what Ned are we talking about right now? The, the lisp, the reverb, the, the no lisp, the reverb? What are we What are we doing here? So, and he's he's a little bit weird in this one, but whatever. Well, I, I'm wondering, again, Eric Basil did the sound design. So I'm wondering if maybe they had someone else to play Ned and that role fell through so he did it and since he's doing the sound design it'd be easy for him to do right, it yeah. wherever he's working so maybe for a while he didn't have access to a good studio to do it keep forgetting that's eric basil as, as ned yeah you told me that last time and i forgot about it which actually we're, we'll get to the scene here a little bit but you actually i think you hear his voice as another character in this episode maybe i missed it i don't know i'm trying to remember well i'm also going to ask you about uh which character is Steve Bridges? So be ready for that. Oh, I know who Steve Bridges is. I know who he is. I mean the, <laughs> I mean the characters he plays. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I know the character. But anyway, go on. Okay. Well, in this scene, Hugh is talking about his cousin Joey that's coming on the train, and he makes it sound like he's an awful person. You know, put people in the hospital and stuff like that. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of um, the present long ago. But in that situation, was Trent, you know, building things up like hmm. all that Max could do. And, you know, having all this power and control. I just now thought about that. Yeah. But the kids are terrified. They sound, they think, it sounds like he's a lot worse than Hugh. And I don't think it's a big spoiler, but later on the series, Hugh is a little more antagonistic than he is in this episode and and, uh, episode two. Mm -hmm. So he is fairly violent, but not as violent as the way he makes Joey seem. Well, he doesn't actually do anything. He's just intimidating. I would say 
if he were, I would say uh, Stacy is probably the violent one of the most violent because she keeps whacking her with herself with a stick. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. And also to your point about the present long ago, I have thoughts about that episode. And this episode is more, it's, it was weird in going through it and thinking, okay, what, what did Hugh actually say at the beginning? He said he sent somebody to the hospital and got kicked out of the school. And then the kids started ramping up. Oh, this, that, and, and Joey's this and Joey's that. And then, Joey shows up, and I think, wait, he's not even what Hugh thought Hugh said he was. And so I was annoyed that their expectations had been skewed out of proportion by their rumors and stuff. But I was also a little bit confused that Hugh had made it up in the first place. It seemed, mm, I don't know. I don't know how I felt about it, but I guess it makes sense. I mean, if Hugh wanted to mess with them, of course he would lie about what Joey actually, who Joey actually was. So I don't know. I don't know. I could just tell from the beginning, yeah, they're going to exaggerate his, his qualities, aren't they? And then uh, and then he wasn't actually that. <laughs> yeah, they come up with all these things, you know, oh, did you hear about his scar turns red as hot coals when uh, he gets angry or something? Yeah, and the narrator came was coming in like saying, yeah, they're making up all this stuff. And I thought, well, obviously they're making up that stuff. Like, we never heard that from anyone else. Mm-hmm. And we also have a little bit of a dream sequence uh, or a daydream sequence here where Stacy is thinking about uh, being, I guess, like a, a cowboy or cowgirl hero that's uh, trying to take down Joey and uh, Hugh. Uh, what did you think about that? She sounds so bored in this scene, honestly. And this brings out uh, something that's a, a gripe I have about the general flow of this episode. The production quality, I don't. I just don't know. I don't think it was very good for this one. I've seen Paws and Tails do better. And for some reason, the next one's fine. Next one's okay. Uh, this one, weirdly, the, the pacing, the um, the uh, the voice cuts, like where um, how quickly one character would react to another character saying something or the ambiance or sound effects. Um, and there, were, there was no Foley also, I noticed, in this episode and the next. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe it was more the next episode. But all that to say, there were some sound effects like when Stacy would throw the lasso around Joey or Hugh in the dream where I thought, I, I don't really see what you're talking about there. And then Stacy is sounds really sounds like she's reading her lines. So it was funny. It had potential. I liked Hugh and Joey's Hugh's and Joey's acting in this one, but um, it just had that in the forefront of my mind. Like, okay. We're uh, we're not including all the sound effects. That's okay. Okay, sure. Yeah, I remember as a kid and listening to it for the first time, I think, and then sometime after it, that that scene was a little bit hard to follow. Um, As I've listened to it uh, several times after that and, you know, getting older, I've understood a little bit more. There are some lines I couldn't uh, quite um, distinguish, like, uh, where'd you get that rope? And then I heard this, or something like that, and then I... Finally, figured out later, like, oh, he's in under her cape, that she had this hiding under her cape. Like, I had not <laughs> noticed that line before. I don't know when I realized that. Maybe just because I listened to it in headphones. I didn't use to listen to stuff in headphones yeah. a whole lot before. Um, but I don't know. The sound effects, I think the music was good enough for it, and the act- acting for most of it, too. But I think the sound effects is, I don't know, it's a little bit hard to follow, especially when you can't see what's happening. The sound effects and the music and all that's supposed to make it to see it in your mind easier. I have this pet peeve with Discovery Mountain. I need to listen to more. But with Peachy the Moose, um, every time they use her sound effect, it sounds like she is far off or farther off in the distance. Like because there's a weird echo on her voice. And then you're made to believe she's standing right there with the characters. 
Similar thing here with the slingshot that Hugh uses, I think. Or maybe it's Joey. Um, the slingshot sound effect is more... I don't know if the the sound quality is different on it or if the, the reverb on it is different. It it sounded... Well, if they had used a sound effect from a sound effect library, that wouldn't be a problem. It just did not have the proper equalization on it. Because the can is like a distance away and it sounds like it's right yeah. next to it. Well, that's... I think it's the same sound effect used in the dream sequence and the... Or the daydream sequence and the scene where they're actually shooting the slingshot. Yeah, I think so. So, um... The kids are talking, uh, they interrupt, uh, Stacy's daydream, and Goose is still hungry. She wants Stacy's crust from her bread. Um, all the kids have these, um, plans on how to deal with Joey. Marsha is hiding, Stacy wants to fight, right. Ned wants to trap, and Goose just wants to run. Bob and weave. Exactly. <laughs> um, and CJ doesn't really have a plan. He thinks kind of all the did or were doing were kind of silly and then we have a scene where um marcia visits stacy in the barn which i believe is her dad's barn well that uh place will come up again in later episodes ah. at least one i think okay i like this um i wrote this down about you know show rather than tell and i think they do that pretty well like what mm-hmm. they have so stacy has a suit of armor made out of a trash can and a broom but rather than saying Oh, what are you doing with that trash can on? Why do you have that broom in your hand? They have it work it naturally into the conversation. And the character's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Suit of armor. And later on, like, yeah, if, he, if we can just get him to put on your trash can and twirl that thing around, he'll be unconscious in no time. That kind of writing for that, I think it's really good. We get to see what they're doing, but it doesn't, it's not handed to us on like a platter. It's, we, it's earned, I think. I like that. Yeah, and it's, it's a thing of where if you don't, I was uh, honestly not paying as close enough attention during this scene as I should have because I was just so distracted by the reverb um, in the in the barn. Yeah, there's way too much echo in there. Yeah, yeah. But when she mentioned the trash can, I thought, oh, okay, that's funny. And I was a little bit, maybe this was just me being sore and annoyed and not really paying attention, but I didn't really catch their what individually they were doing. But as the scene went on, I thought, okay, Marsha is trying to hide. Stacy obviously is trying to fight. And then the other two are doing this and that. And so I liked how it was brought out in their actions, how they actually tried doing things, um, like with Marsha trying to master the art of moving so slowly that she becomes invisible behind a bush. Um, and Stacy with the with the broom, I could, I could hear again sound design. I don't think it was awesome, but a couple of times when she hit herself with the broom, I thought, "Ow, it must really hurt you to do that." <laughs> and we also have the next scene where we get Ned and Goose talking about their plans. And this is one gripe I didn't have with the episode. I don't think before. But when I was listening to it, you know, uh, critically, there is no mention really or any showing of what Ned is doing to trap. Not in this scene. There is later. Well, I don't know if that's a trap or not. I think it's an accident. No, no, no. He's caught by his how he's hanging by his tail. How can you hang by your tail? Like, just think of the logistics of how that how that would actually happen. Yeah. I mean, unless he I don't know. Like me, he jumped through a big area. His tail went uh, wedged between a branch. He jerked left and it just caught in between a a crook of a branch or something i don't know i'd like i would rather think that he's caught in a, a snare or something but maybe that's just me yeah maybe that was intentional but maybe they i don't know maybe that was cut or uh maybe it was not you know just not written right there but i think that does make sense that would make uh more sense with that but you know without any uh verbal or explicit talk about him trapping people because we get to see all the kids' perspectives, really, of what they do and what they're yeah. 
wanting to do except for Ned. Yeah, otherwise, if that's not the trap, then Ned's plot point makes no sense. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in that scene with uh, Goose, um, I told you the thing that's... I think I told you this when we reviewed uh, To Have and Give Nod, but Ned is a very analytical person. Huh. Um, he's, you know, a no-nonsense kind of guy. And, you know, he kind of, you know... Uh, tears down Goose's idea. She has all these tunnels like north and south, east and west. And like, oh yeah, if he comes this way, I'll come this way. But then he goes through like, oh, well, if he circles around this way and goes this way and this and all this. <laughs> and then Goose is, you know, okay, I'm just going to run all the time. But his objection was nonsense also. I thought about it. I thought, what are you, wait, that that direction doesn't work the way that you think that it works. And Goose just crumbles over paper, throws it away. I'm like, no, 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 no. You had a perfectly good plan. Just don't listen to Ned. He's not making any sense. Well, these are kids, and kids <laughs> usually think they know better than everybody else. Kind of like Wyatt. It was a little bit funny. Yeah, no, well, why? Uh, I have thoughts about Wyatt, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then this is another thing, too. When I was a kid, I wasn't quite sure what Goose was saying. I thought it was like, Bob, like Bob and we, Bob and we, or something like that. And <laughs> I later... Found like okay, Bob, B O B, and Weave, which is I think a W E A V E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know it means you know jumping like going up and down and weaving or like you know zigzagging back and forth. It makes more sense now, but as a kid, I was a little bit confused about that. It's kind of funny, you know. Goose keeps saying saying this and you know blah, 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 and all that and like waving her arms and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that that was this funny. Is, well, this is the only episode, and maybe to a lesser extent, the next one. I don't. I'm not a huge Goose fan in this episode, and there was a specific instance later on that I'll point out. But her her yelling and bobbing and weaving gets uh, uh like drags on for two beats longer than it should have. I think. Well, I think it's. I don't know. I think it's used three times, so maybe four. Maybe. I don't know if that maybe uh, makes you know like the the comedy or like you know the th- that comes in threes. Well, yeah, but it's the the length of the first one is drawn out quite a bit, and then there's the second one which also is drawn out a little bit, and then there is a third, maybe a fourth time. It's not something that I'm exactly pinning down uh, one, two, three, um, but. It's in my mind, I think, okay, if you took out that part, yeah, that'd be good. But then you'd have to have to take out that part and then it'd be perfect. I don't know. Just something abstract I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know I know you had a lot to say about the sound design, but I noticed when I was listening to this yeah, in headphones yeah, yeah. that when she goes bob and weave, it, at least for the scene with uh, Ned, I can hear it going back and forth, left and right channels. Yeah, this is the part where Phil Lala reaches over and flacks me over the head with a fly swatter. But I'm uh, there was one time when she was supposed to go back around to the left and instead stayed in the center. And her footsteps went around to the right, uh, went around to the left. I thought, wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So yes, I did. I did notice she was circling around, and then there was just that like one moment. I think maybe if she went around four times, like the third time, where her voice stays in the center, and then the footsteps go around to the left, and then come back to the center. So weird, super nitpicky thing, and that's yeah, that's that. Maybe she weaved when she should have bobbed. <laughs> I, uh, so I imagine if there's a microphone, her feet are just dancing around the microphone, or her head is stuck in the, the center. <laughs> 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 whatever she is a weasel i don't know mm-hmm. so we come to the train station it's noon which i think that's what the episode title is uh from you know joey arrives at noon it's high noon yeah i had no idea what the title was about and also too we get like that cowboy scene like a western kind of theme uh with that dream yeah, sequence that wasn't significant enough to be titled that right <laughs> i don't know maybe uh before we go any further Steve Bridges plays, I think, two people in this next scene. Can you pick them out? Cucamonga! And then the the guy who's just looking for the, the, the restroom, right? Yes, I believe so. Yay, I got him right. Okay, I'm getting better at this. Yeah, I didn't notice the Cucamonga thing in the background until I listened to it in headphones. Yeah. And it's a little bit different yeah. voice that he than he uses in um uh, episode one. 
Um, but it's funny that joke is still in there. I I have to uh, if we get to review more episodes, I gotta make sure I hear those train station scenes or around that area if that joke gets continued or not. Yeah, and he's also the guy who trips down the stairs, right? I think it's the same guy, the uh, the Manga guy, uh, <laughs> yeah. the conductor. It sounds like the same guy. Eh, I feel so bad for him. Well, he sounds like he's okay. Yeah, yeah. So I know that you mentioned your expectations were kind of different. That you thought Joey was going to be an actual bad person. Did I say that? I don't remember. I mean, I or probably something said like that. that. I probably said that. And I just forgot. At least your expectations were like different. Like it's like you kind of let down by it or something, maybe. Well, so here was what I meant. Um, I didn't expect to be to have there be the double uh thing of both the kids are wrong and Hugh was lying. I thought it would just be one of the two, like or at least just the kids were wrong and Hugh did get kicked out of school and he sent someone to the hospital, but it's for different reasons. You mean Joey? I can't think. <laughs> so jo- at least uh, Joey, Hugh was lying about Joey getting kicked out of school and sending somebody to the hospital. Um, but I didn't. So I didn't expect him to be lying about that. I thought at least he would be he would be right about that. So I was thinking, OK, well, there was something about Joey that caused him to be kicked out of school. Like, nope, nope, nope. He was lying. So I, I don't know. I don't think that I think it kind of undercuts the moral a little bit. Because the kids had a good reason to be worried or concerned, rather, because of what Hugh told them since they kind of trusted Hugh. And Hugh, if they had just thought, oh, well, he got kicked out of school, I wonder why that is, and tried to figure out some reason why without exaggerating it, they still would have been wrong about Joey. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I think it's it's fun for the plot to have Joey just be this little, little squirt, but hmm. I don't know. Expectations-wise, it's fine. It's fine. I don't have a big problem with it. Well, there are two things that um, kind of threw me off a little bit. Did you notice that uh, when they see Joey coming, that it, it turns to that Western music, and then you hear the spurs jingling? What? Is Joey wearing spurs <laughs> or or what? I... Like, it seems like so out of place. There's no explanation of that. It sounds like a continue of like, the dream sequence from earlier. I heard that, and I glossed over it because i didn't have time to go back and listen to it again but i thought is was that no that couldn't be so i have no idea yeah it it was kind of odd and also goo says maybe he's a nice cougar like maybe he's not like you just so you know in wildwood the animals don't necessarily mean that they are bad again this is the early part of the series but you know in wildwood there are good people and bad people there's you know there's there's uh, some good wolf characters, there's some bad wolf characters, there's some good bears and some bad bears, I think. Yeah, I didn't take it to mean that she was being prejudiced against cougars. I, I took it to mean maybe maybe since Hugh is the only cougar we know and he's bad, Joey's probably going to be bad too, but maybe he's not bad. Yeah, well, they're in the same family. Yeah. And we hear later that Hugh's dad's probably not uh, any nicer than Hugh. Yeah, getting another man's shoes vibes right here that maybe there's a lot more to Hugh than we think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a quick cameo there, and I believe also, because he, I think he does play him in the future, that that is Steve Bridges playing Hugh's dad there, too. Ah, cool. Didn't didn't pick up on that one. You will hear him again, a little bit bigger role, in a few more episodes, and we'll get to hear his first name, too. Okay. And hear a little more of a, a little more of his backstory and his connection with uh, a family member of one of the club members. Raymond? <laughs> no, wrong <laughs> show, wrong show. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Joey is, you know, 
playing by himself. You know, he's a he's a cougar. He pounces on something. No, and... no, no. Before then, before we got we got to talk about before then. It's so I thought that was so funny, and that the way they set up the scene. Or wait, um, what's his name? The writer, uh, David Carl, sets up the scene between Hugh and Joey, where Hugh is showing Joey how to shoot the slingshot. And then immediately after he fires the slingshot, Joey says, why don't we go and find some of those kids? And I thought, hold up. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> and hit them with a slingshot? What are you talking about? <laughs> because, and then the rest of the conversation makes it seem like, uh, and because he was saying, yeah, yeah, I, to- I told him that you were like, or like, not I told him that, but I, I, sc- I kind of scared him off. And Joey's like, you did. And it, made, it makes it seem like Joey is proud of you for being a mean cougar. <laughs> it's it's kind of funny how it's set up. And then listening to it the second time through, I thought, Okay, okay, so he's legitimately innocent. But the first time I heard it, I thought that he was saying, why don't we go find some of those kids because I'm bored. The second time I heard it, I thought, oh, wait, why don't we go find some of those kids so I can hit them with it? <laughs> well, maybe I think also, too, because he talked about later that he is scared of Hugh and his dad. Maybe he's trying to be acting a little bit tough, maybe, or or just trying to keep the peace. Like, he doesn't want to say, like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Or, like, yeah, I want to go along with that. He's trying to, like, be, you know, stay neutral with that. Yeah. So, anyway, after that, um, Joey goes uh, by him self into the woods or whatever and he's you know getting ready to pounce on something and he accidentally uh pounces on cj or tries or <laughs> getting gets close to pouncing on him and joey gets his tail stuck in the tree and cj's thinking oh yeah he is he was trying to attack me there and having cats i uh this makes me really sad to imagine poor joey hanging by his tail because that's not fun that is seriously not fun to have that much weight on your tail if you're a cat just just sad mm-hmm yeah, especially if you're real high up in a tree. Yeah, yeah, and he's a little guy, so it's pain, and he's continually complaining about the pain. Which, yes, that's accurate. I I can imagine. Yeah, Joey's gonna have to go to the hospital now. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. He's just gonna be a bobcat now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, CJ is a, even though he was kind of upset at him, and CJ in this episode is probably the most level-headed person of all the members of the club. Yeah. And he still is, you know, he's careful, but he still is, you know, compassionate enough to help him out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a side of CJ that um, we'll probably see more in the future too. And, you know, we they strike up a friendship here and he starts talking about, you know, oh, you're not wearing your six-shooter and where's the scar or something <laughs> like that. What's a six-shooter? <laughs> he says that. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, they find out it's a, big misunderstanding they head to the fortress well and the the line was in there that made me feel so sad that cj is like we we heard you got somebody sent to the hospital and he's like my well my mom's in the hospital that's terrible that that he he was just a terrible person to to, to do that because that puts jo- I mean, joey's already worried about his mom and then he hears that these other kids think that he sent oh. his mom to the hospital what that's that's awful i felt so bad for him i didn't think about that that is that is pretty yeah. awful yeah so anyway, Joey, uh, his tail's still hurting, Aww. so I guess he is pretty small. So uh, CJ is able to uh, carry him or give him a piggyback ride or whatever. <laughs> and they head to the club, and uh, he trips, and it looks like Joey is uh, pouncing on CJ, and the club goes crazy. Of course. Uh, what did you think about that scene? Do you think it was well made? Do you think it was not good enough? Do you think it was just meh? Uh, second listen through, I think the scene itself was fine. I don't think it was too long, and I think it ended where it should have. And then the fact that the goose is well, I've stuff about goose. I'll I'll hold off on a minute for that. But yeah, I think it was funny because they were they've been planning the whole episode to to do something to Joey, and now 
um you had the line from goose where he where she's like what direction is joey coming from and so i guess she went back to her original plan about burrowing underneath the or something and so she's like oh a distraction and then started running around and then cj interrupts just in time what are you doing and has the whole thing of no 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 we got them all wrong so yes i thought i thought it was well paced yeah it took him a while for them to figure out figure out uh that he was uh you know, trying to get them quiet, like, oh, and he starts calling, like, hey, he's calling for help. Yeah. Maybe he just, maybe he just should have screamed, like, Katrina in the Green Room Conspiracy, and they would have, that would have gotten their attention. <laughs> that's such a weird line. Like, that's, that is, that and the line in How to Sink a Sub, I'm thinking, okay, that's a, that's a bit harsh. But yeah. Well, I think How to Sink a Sub is better, and it's not, it's not quite as, you know, uh, obnoxiously loud. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more, uh, more required in that scene. Yeah. Great episodes. Great episodes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of my favorite lines here, um, and again, I'm hearing so much more when I listen to these episodes in headphones. Yeah. Um, Marsha has this line, and the follow-up line that Joey responds with, I didn't quite understand what I was, I didn't quite understand when I was a kid. Marsha says, because, you know, she has all these branches on, she's trying to look at a tree or trying to disappear or whatever, and she starts talking like, didn't you put someone in the hospital? And you probably wonder where my voice is coming from, aren't you? And then Joey asks, what's with that moose? I thought that was pretty funny. And that's a line that I didn't really uh, understand before the most recent time I heard this episode. Maybe I'm missing it. What's, uh, why exactly is that funny? It's like, what's with that moose? Like, you know, like everybody's crazy around here. I, I Oh, okay. Like, I can see her, like me, like I can, me, like I can see her. She's standing right there. What's she talking about? Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was maybe he was thinking she was actually invisible or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I picked up that connotation. He's I'm... small. He's small. He's small. I can't see that far. Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was kind of funny. And then also, uh, Ned, uh, hears about his mommy in the hospital, and he says, like, "You put your own mother in the hospital," and then Goose just goes off. Again. Right. Right. That's. <laughs> Wait. So Goose, um, this is before Hugh shows up, right? So Goose is, let me, if I can, I'll just throw this in here about uh, Goose right now, if you're okay with this. Go ahead. So I'm um, big Goose fan, not a big fan of Goose yelling when I don't want her to yell. Um, so in this scene right here, I don't remember, I think she's, well, she gets the short end of the stick in terms of the explanation where she's running around and she runs off. And then I like that, which is funny. And then CJ is explaining, no, no, he's he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. And then eventually Goose runs back. Is that what you're talking about? That after uh, that you put your own mom in the hospital, is, is that Goose running back or running off again? I think she's still around. And he said, you put your own mother in the hospital. And then she starts running away. And then later on, she comes back and she's really tired. And that's when she finally stops, I think. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm trying to think. I don't, I, I think it's the last time that she runs off. Because um, her voice fades off, her voice fades off, um, and then it fades back in when she's coming by, and then she collapses. It doesn't. I thought she runs off again at the at the end, uh, right before Marsha's like, I think that that's gonna make me cry or something. So I think that is, I don't, I don't like it because we had already gone through the craziness and it interrupts the pacing of the episode to have her do that. It also distracts me from the moral of of that. So that those were that was my thought on. It. I don't know if you agree with me or not on that. Yeah, I I, I think I think it would have been better. Like if that is four times that she did that, um, you know, the rule of three uh, with comedy there, I think would have been better. You know, uh, if she had stayed away after she ran the first time when Joey showed up and then actually came back, um, after like maybe I still hear her in the background going and like uh, fading in and out. 
and then coming back at the very end and you know collapsing. I think that probably would have worked better with the pacing, maybe. I don't know. I'm I'm really hesitant to to use the um the maxims of like show don't tell or the rule of three as rules. And I think that there was there might be a way that you could do more than three times and have it be appropriate. I just think that the way it was paced made it more appropriate to just coincidentally in this case use three. So that's just me. So uh, we also have the first club rule um, that CJ comes up with um, to remind each other to pray. Which is a great life rule, just saying, too. Everybody should practice this. Mm-hmm. Not just ki- not just kids. Yeah. And then he comes up with the second one later about uh, when, God's something, when God does something good for uh, someone, remember to thank God for that. Right. And rules, a uh, little sneak peek, there is an episode... Uh, an episode or two that talk about the rules in the club and see how uh, those can be good or bad. Interesting. Having to do with, like, Old Testament law versus New Testament grace? Uh, not really in that respect, but okay. they're, they're maybe two of my top 20 favorite Pauls and Tales episodes and some of the best episodes, I think. Wait, you, you split 67 episodes up into your top 20? What is this? <laughs> 69 episodes, actually. So, yeah. 69. 69. Yeah, there's 20 episodes I think are about... My favorite and probably the best ones. I I, I haven't okay. I haven't really categorized them as much as Odyssey episodes, which I should be able to since there's so few. So maybe maybe eventually at some point I'll I'll rank all these episodes. And after you know the club members, they become friends with Joey. Uh, Hugh shows up and starts scaring them, and then CJ reminds them, "Hey, aren't we going to pray about this?" Yeah. And he uh, does a quick prayer, mm-hmm. which. I mean, it's kind of funny, but also too, it kind of shows you know, you can pray on the on a you can you can pray on a dime or however that uh, phrase goes. You know, you can pray any time, any situation, no matter if you have a long time for a long prayer or not. You can do that. It's not a real big thing that's brought out in this episode, but that's something I kind of picked up. I didn't find it funny. I actually thought it was pretty sincere and a good way to demonstrate not necessarily the moral, but a theme of the episode. I thought it was good. Unless it was the moral. I think it is the moral, right? Well, maybe. We'll, we'll get to that. We're almost there. So Joey gets a telegram delivered delivered by Hugh um, telling us that Joey's mother is uh, doing good. The operation was successful and that Joey will be able to go back to his family. Which genuinely made, made me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice ending. Unfortunately, we never hear from Joey again. What? Oh, mm, come on. <laughs> I like this character. Yeah, he. It, I'm pretty certain that is a kid playing playing Joey. Yeah, he does. He's doing a good job. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Hugh uh, dislikes uh, you know uh, Stacy. Stands up to him, and um, well, actually, uh, before I go into that, um, they mentioned Papa Chuck in this. This is the first episode without Papa Chuck. Do you notice that? Interesting. And then the next episode also doesn't have him in it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. Yeah, I think in I think in one of the director's notes for one of the episodes, David Carl says that he didn't want Papa Chuck to be like the only uh, mentor, really. Like, I don't think they they really want him to be like you know the John Avery Whitaker. <laughs> he kind of is, but um, we will see other characters, adult characters, that fill that mentor role in different ways later. And it's showing that this episode can work without uh, uh, Papa Chuck or the adults, which really there aren't any adults in this episode. It's basically all kids. Interesting, which is why everything's so amok in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this also is the first time that the song for the show or the song for the story is at the very end. We don't get you know bits and pieces of it through the episode, 
But, however, it does flow into the story because uh, we end with um, CJ, you know, talking about uh, the rule about, you know, to thank God uh, for when he answers prayer or something like that. And then Joey says, let me go first. And then he starts singing this song. So I am interested what your what your thoughts were on the song. Well, I'll say a couple things. First, I've mentioned a couple times throughout this review how I'm kind of like tired and sore and annoyed and stuff. When I got to this song in the first listen through, I sat back in my chair and I thought, you know, this is really nice. This is this is really nice. And I didn't get to listen through it a second time, which I wish I would have. But now right now in the recording of this, I am feeling great. And I'm remembering back to that song. And yes, exactly. Um, It's it's like it's about praying about anything in your life. Right. Or like thanking God for for this and that. Right. I, I think so. I mean, for me, this isn't my favorite song. I don't think it's the best song. However, quick fun fact, I just looked this up um, to make sure I was right about this. Um, on Spotify, you can actually listen to a lot of the songs separately. It's called Songs from Wildwood. Okay. And they have a lot of the songs from the episodes. They can listen to just the songs themselves. I don't recommend you going to listen to the ones you haven't heard yet because some of those songs may give spoilers for future episodes. Yeah, I don't even have a Spotify account or i have a spotify account it's on it's i think it's on youtube music and pandora okay. and amazon i think and itunes or whatever but i'm looking at spotify um since i am subscribed to that but on the top five songs that are played from the albums there are like 30 songs they have total i think um on spotify number three on the list is jesus i thank you as the third most played song with 5504 plays nice nice yeah this song specifically after i listened to it, i thought man i really needed to hear that right now I didn't really want to hear it, but I heard it anyway, and it made me feel better. So, so nice job. I, I love, I love, is Sandy Howell, right? Not Sandy yeah. Howell, Sandy Howell? Yeah, Sandy Howell. I love that woman. Great job. Great job on her, on these songs. Nice job. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I do like it that it is Joey. It's not like the same actor singing. He did. I think he does a great job singing. It sounds sincere mm-hmm. and it sounds, you know, very, very much like a little kid. And I don't know, maybe it's, I know there is. I'm not a super big song critic. I don't know music a whole lot. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't know the ins and outs of it very well. Uh, it seemed like a little bit too. I don't know, not rambly, but kind of like freak flow maybe. I know it, there was like repeating of lines and stuff like that, but it does work when it's you know you're thinking about this song isn't standing alone. It's you know part of the story, like him kind of singing there. Like it kind of turns like a, into a musical for a little bit. So I was I was wondering if you'd actually like that or not. From the one time I listened to it, yes. I'd have to go back and listen to it again to seriously review it. Um, but I will say that in at the moment, yeah, it it was one of the better parts of the episode that I liked. And ask me next time we review one of these episodes and I'll go back and listen to it again. <laughs> okay. I know one of my favorite lines, I think uh I think he talks about sometimes I think I'm just some Joe and I'm not very big, but you already mm-hmm. know. I love how he delivers that line there. Yeah. I don't know if I got all the lines there, but that line uh, there, I mean, it's just like, you know, it kind of stops singing and kind of whispers it and kind of speaks it a little bit. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I don't know if you noticed, but this is probably the most, uh, into my net recollection too of the feature episode, this is probably the most uh, simplistic or more acoustic song in the series. A lot of them are like orchestrated or over-orchestrated. This is very simple. I think I only heard... I think a piano and a guitar, I think. There might have been another instrument, maybe. But I think with the style of the song and his singing, I think it worked really well. Yeah, yeah, it's Tim Hosman, right? You gotta love him. Uh-huh. 
And also, this is the first time that a character from the show sings a whole song by themselves with no one else and without Sandy Howell. Yeah, interesting. Do we ever get a song with just Goose in the series? Uh, yes, we do. I think so. I think there Looking might be some. To that. There might be some little background voices. I think in one of them, but I just want to throw that out. So, you talked about the lesson and was kind of questioning what is it about, and I think the song kind of. And it talks about fear a little bit, you know, I cry to you when I'm scared and some other lines mm-hmm. too. Yeah. The episode, I don't know. Again, this is not one of my favorite episodes. I don't think it's one of the best episodes. It's, again, near the beginning of the series. I don't know. I feel like more of the episode is more on fear generalized, but there's several different aspects that branch off of that that don't necessarily tie to fear overall. So I'm wondering, do you think that aspect was covered enough or do you think it should have been more simplified no i think it was covered enough you mean in the song itself or in the the episode i'm like overall um and so praying and uh as a result of fear that's i think i think that's a good summary of it i mean i know there's other stuff you know like uh there's other things like you know like like prayer you know uh not believing everything you hear i guess um don't make up rumors um uh stuff like that and I think all that tra- and all that plays into not being anxious, but in everything by prayer and supplication present with Thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that is something as someone who has been praying a lot over the past week and a half for, for different reasons at the beginning of this year, um, I resonated a lot with the um, the, the moral. And uh, I think praying in the presence of fear or when presented with fear is a pretty good indication of what's going on in this episode because as soon as Hugh starts to bombard them with ah joey is this and that and they should have said okay we need to pray that god will protect us and keep us from being afraid and keep us from letting our imaginations run wild and that would have solved the main or the main issue for the first half of the episode and then the second half when they learn the lesson it helps them confront Hugh at the end so yeah i think that's probably the moral and i thought it was executed very well okay just that the rest of the episode, little bits and pieces, I would say, eh, whatever. Okay. Well, uh, this is this is from the director's notes for this episode um, from David Carl, and he says, High Noon is one of our first episodes. It deals with one of the first topics I wanted Paws and Tales to address, fear. Adults tend to be rather dismissive of children's fears. Sometimes we see those fears as silly, temporary, or, in- or insignificant. That is a serious mistake. To minimize another person's fear, whether he or she is a child or an adult, is, a shame- is to shame him or her. We should never shame anyone, ever. We can help to dispel the fear or perhaps prove that the fear can be overcome, but we should never dismiss or shame someone who is afraid. It is not only ineffective, but damaging. And one of the major mistakes, uh, yeah, one of the major mistakes the club makes in this episode is choosing to try to deal with the situation on their own. If they had turned to a trusted adult, two changes would have been resulted. They would have, avo- they would have avoided spinning into a frenzy, and this episode would have been about seven minutes long. <laughs> That's the point. That's the point. We have drama because people misunderstand and people have character flaws. So Exactly. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I don't know why that's just so funny to me. <laughs> yeah. He's a, he also says, I want kids to see the sheer I want kids to see the sheer silliness of allowing those secret fears to run wild. Unfortunately, a typical outcome of unchecked fear is neither as humorous nor as easily remedied as the one in high noon. To keep one's fear a secret is to be controlled by that fear. And there's a little bit more in that, but I think that's some good points that he brought out there and some good insight to the episode. That is really solid stuff. I know I, I 100% agree, especially, I mean, especially because some of my prayers recently have been about fear. 
and going dealing with that and he is he is correct he is absolutely correct and um again working this stuff into the children's series i know you said episode five is where the deeper moral starts to come into play you mentioned to me over skype Uh uh-huh um or the deeper morals of the series i think it's here i think this is uh really deep and really good um so high five high five to david carl for this yeah I hope you enjoyed that rough and wild episode of Paws and Tails, partner. I don't know what you're talking about, but okay. That that was, yeah, that was a review. I'm tired. Can we wrap this up? Yeah. There wasn't <laughs> much about Western stuff in there, but I figured that'd be a fun outro to start with. <laughs> sure. Anyway, what did you think about this episode we talked about? What do you think about this podcast episode in general? Let us know. Please send us a voice message. We always love to hear from you. And again... If you send us a voice message, you may hear your voice on a future episode of A Walk Through Wildwood. And looking ahead, we'll be talking about episode 5 of Paws and Tales next time, The Princess. In that episode, a wealthy business mogul comes to town and a powerful lesson is heard about prayer. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reviewing that one again. Uh, If you guys haven't heard that episode yet, Please go take a listen. In preparation for the next review, you can find a link to listen to The Princess or to any other episode of Paws and Tales. Or if you haven't heard High Noon yet, why are you listening to this review? But anyway, you can find links to listen to that episode, this episode, or the song from this episode. Or purchase an ad-free, uncut version of any episode of Paws and Tales on CD or MP3. You can find all those links in the description of this podcast. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you will know when every new episode comes out so you don't miss anything. Mm-hmm. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at a walk through Wildwood to get even more notifications about <laughs> our releasing podcasts and stuff. Anyway. So thank you, Conley, for joining us. Okay, I'll stop now. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope you'll join us again for another episode of A Walk Through Wildwood. See you then. Bye. Oh, wait, I got to tie my shoe. Oh, oh.